welcome each and every one of you back to our series entitled It's Worth It 2.0. I want to look there at all of those that are joining us. If you're joining us online, maybe in a video venue here at the Keller campus, our McKinney campus joining us, as well as our Hazlitt campus. We're excited that all of you are along for the ride. Let's put our hands together, celebrate everybody that's joining in with us. I'm gonna ask if you have your Bibles to go to the Old Testament, the first chapter of the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter one, verse 16 is the verse I'm gonna highlight. I'm gonna tell you the story in the midst of the larger narrative and story of the Bible as we're at week four. Now, some of you that are new, I wanna bring you into what we're doing right now and also for some of you just catch you up. And that is the series It's Worth It 2.0 Um, I wrote a book in 2015 called It's Worth It that outlines the values of who we are here at Milestone Church, and ultimately, I see it as kingdom values. You say, where does the phrase it's worth it come from? Well, Jesus in Matthew 13, 44, because Jesus is so amazing, he says in just a few words something very profound. He says, there was a man who found a treasure in a field And it was so valuable, he bought the whole field to get the treasure. And what I love about the story is, it says that he didn't have buyer's remorse. He he received this treasure, and the Bible says he went away with joy. And that is really the treasure that in the context of those passages is the treasure of the kingdom of God, expressed through the treasure that is Jesus. Because when you find Jesus, and more than just discovering and, and, and his purpose and plan and great salvation for your life, there's more, there's more to it than just getting a ticket to heaven. There's a way of life. The rule and reign of Jesus, how you live, how you walk out your daily life, there's these values that are a treasure. And it's also very important that we understand that, I, I wanna tell you up front, I'm kinda cashing in a little pastoral chips a little bit during this because you kind of get a pass when you're the pastor of a church that is celebrating 20 years as a church. You know, you're like, pastor, you've been a little bit obnoxious. You've been preaching too long. I don't care, I'm taking my pass. I'm just like, I'm excited about our values 20 years later. I'm excited about what God's doing. And I also wanna say a couple of things about it. And that is that it's important to have resets in the life of a church family so that we can stay true to who God's called us to be. And for some of you that are new, maybe you've been coming, I wanna bring you into this value system that's made up the atmosphere that you're a part of. It's like you're eating from the apple pie. It's like, man, that's a pretty good recipe. Man, I, ooh, oh, man, it tastes good. Well, I wanna make sure that what you're tasting, you understand what makes that recipe, and it's ultimately centered on Jesus and what Jesus said we should value. And so there's this moment where we're, we're resetting, we're recalibrating, we're celebrating 20 years, we're telling stories of all the people that's been impacted, and we're bringing some of you into these values. You can go back and watch some of the messages, and you can catch up. We have a book for you at every location. We want to give it to you. It's a new reset from the 2015 book, It's Worth It. I hope you'll read it and I hope you'll join us. But we're at week four and I would say out of all the values, one of the values that I would say is most challenging to communicate, 
most challenging to help you get the revelation of. Because this week's value, like all of them, but this one very much so because it's countercultural to the way we live today. This value is a little bit hard to transfer. You gotta get it by revelation. To make the sacrifices required, you have to, to if you're gonna buy that whole field, you know, it's a sacrifice. It's like, you're, you're gonna have to go all in on this one to really receive from it, but it's so challenging in the way our world works today. It's a little hard to communicate. I hope you'll, you'll stay with me. I'm gonna try to help you feel it a little bit. I'm gonna try to explain it to you from scripture. I'm gonna show you several scriptures today, and I want you to, to really catch it. But you know, it's also challenging to live. This value, though, is one that you feel when you come here to Milestone Church. You feel it. You experience it. You don't know how to put your finger on it, but you feel it. We hear people say, it was warm, it was authentic, it's friendly, it feels different, it doesn't feel static, it doesn't feel just organizational. I can tell there's intentionality, but there's warmth on the inside of it. And that value that you're experiencing is a value I see in scripture called spiritual family. It's the value of spiritual family. I would say that value has made my life so rich. So rich today. The richness in my life is not the dollars in my bank account. It's not even the size of our church or the building that I preach in. It's the people. It's the people in my life. Can I tell you a little inside story as a pastor? When you're at the end of this whole race, you probably, after sitting there at the bedside of people at the end of it all, you won't, be, you won't be talking about the deal that you didn't close this week. You won't be talking about a lot of the stuff that's on your calendar. You'll be talking, because I've been there, about the relationships in your life. But you see, most of the time as a pastor, when I'm preaching, you can individualize everything that I'm saying and just kind of take it and be like, okay, I'm gonna do that with God. And you know, you walk out and you're like, Pastor, that was a good message. You know, me and Jesus, we kind of worked it out. The hard part about this one is it requires for you not just to have revelation, but now you have to take it external from you to experience it. You have to actually put some action to it which can be challenging this concept of spiritual family. Have you ever been in the context of a place where you kind of pick up on the vibe of it? You know, when, when people gather, there's a vibe. Just, they're just the way it is. You know, you get a few people together and there's an atmosphere. I, I felt it this week. I went with a few guys in the church to, to the Ranger game and uh, it was not the night that Aaron Judge hit the big home run, it was the night before. <laughs> and I realized real quick after going to a lot of different Ranger games that this was not a Texas friendly atmosphere. There were a lot, it was like the Bronx. The Yankee brand was so strong, we couldn't even cheer. They would just dominate our cheers, you know? They're just like, we took over. And I'd never experienced this in any game. As soon as Aaron Judge stepped to the plate, the place went silent. You could have heard a pin drop. Everyone had a phone. They're waiting to catch the big hit. And he didn't hit it that night. And so as soon as he didn't hit it, oh. But he did run off the field and he took a ball and he threw it over the net. And I influenced the atmosphere when he did that 
because I elbowed my friend in the jaw. I knocked over a guy and his beer in front of me, and I reached with these big vice grip hands, and I got the ball. I thought, if, if he hits it tonight, I'm going to say I caught it off his bat. And we'll pay off the building project. Y'all know what I'm saying. <laughs> but I'm telling you, man, there's a different atmosphere there. It was like the Yankees took over, man. It's, it, was, it was like quiet when he was hitting the ball. And when we left, let me just tell you, no one was preferring each other. It was like, who can get out first? You know, how can I cut in front of you? What's the fastest way out of here? Everybody had a different atmosphere. Did you know that? It's that way in any setting where people gather. You ever been to the mall at Christmas? You ever been to the shopping store that has the cheap TVs on Black Friday? People will get in a fist fight. Y'all know what I'm saying? Any atmosphere where people gather, there's a cultural component based on the heart of the people and the purpose for which they're there that influences the atmosphere everywhere you go. Doesn't matter where it is, there's an influence. Have you ever been in a home let me tell you why it's hard to preach on spiritual family, because we have so much pain in our natural families. So as I talk about spiritual family, statistics say the greatest level of loneliness and pain in your life is not even related to your church family, it's related to the isolation and brokenness that you feel from your natural family. That's what's on your heart. And you're like, Jeff, we're gonna take it up a notch to start talking about being family with other people outside my family, and I don't even know if I can get along with my real family. And so it's hard sometimes. Have you ever been in a home? Have you ever been invited to a home where you're like, there's tension here. Something's not right. You can feel it. You can feel it in the atmosphere. But have you ever gone into a home not perfect, but there's unity? I would say if you had a broken home, and I don't know, there's a big percentage of us based on statistics that grew up with tension and pain and, and problems and things in our homes and our lives. But did you know, it's amazing if you had a friend who had some semblance of love and unity and you went there, you'd be like, oh, can I stay here? Can I spend the night here? Can I be around y'all? Because why? There's something in us that desires the atmosphere of family, but our culture is toxic to it. Our, our culture is individualized and personalized and, and selfish and, and, and it's about my happiness and, and my plans and my calendar and, and my stuff. And, and, and I, I, this week, I, talking about natural family, I, I had interaction with three or four families with just pain and challenges in marriage and why? Because everything about the way we do life is antithetical to relationships. And really vital relationships are even more challenging. We hurt the people we love by the way we do life. You say, well, how do we get there? Well, first, I gotta get you to have some faith for what I'm talking about. I know you may have had church and church family and relationships even outside your natural family where it's like, that's the place you go just to hear the message. That's a place where you go to get the product of information that's being delivered. So the main goal of it is, is this transactional relationship between you and the spiritual entity that delivers some kind of spiritual goods. And Jeff, you're talking about spiritual family. Most of the people I work with every single day, I've walked with for over 20 years. 
You don't know how odd that is to be a pastor who says most of my staff, most of the people I work with years and years and years. There's people in our church that I've been their pastor since I was 23. We've moved cities together. I want to tell you, I know I'm talking on a higher plane, but as I read the word of God, it inspires us to it. It inspires us to it. You're like, okay, so faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Let's not think for just a minute about our experiences. Let's think about the word. Did you know the Bible starts with a family? That's where it starts. In fact, the mind-blowing thing for me is that the Godhead, Father, notice God identified as Father, that's familial language. You're like, man, I don't know about all this relational stuff, Jeff. I just want to kind of receive the word. Whoa, 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 whoa. God identified Father, Son. Father, familial, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And this is mind-blowing. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit lived for all eternity. There was never a time that they were not in perfect harmony. The son never got in competition with the father. The father was never in competition with the Holy Spirit. And you say, why is that important? Because it's out of that atmosphere that the Bible says in Genesis, let us make man in that image. Let us make man from that backdrop, God created us. And then after sin enters the world, God desires to bring a covenant that'll run through the entire Bible that'll end up at Jesus, but he starts the family of God that he will bring the son of God on the earth through a man who he changes his name from Abram to Abraham. And he says, you're gonna be the father of many nations. If you grew up in church, forgive me if you're wherever you're at, listen to this. Father Abraham had many sons, had many sons, had father Abraham, and I'm one of them, and you are too, so let's just praise the Lord. He's father Abraham. I love one of the little sections in there with Abraham where it was very challenging for him and his wife biologically to have a kid, but he, he says, well, you know what? I'll just make my servant my kid. And God says, no, 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 no. It has to be a heir born from you, not a servant. You're like, why? Let me just tell you, you're like, you're like, Jeff, you're talking to other people. You're talking to insiders. You're talking to people that don't, no, no, no. When you receive Jesus Christ, this is a connection to Galatians where God said, I didn't want to have a bunch of hired hands serving me. Bunch of people who had to serve out of obligation know every single day if you feel alone, you need to know this. When you receive Jesus, you're a child of God. You're a son or a daughter of the living God. He said, I'm not gonna grow up a bunch of servants who do it out of obligation, serve my kingdom out of have to. I'm gonna raise up a family of sons and daughters. Let me tell you why I'm passionate about this value. We're seeing 12, 13, 1,500 teenagers on Wednesday night. We've had overflow rooms of three rooms of kids getting saved the last few weeks. Let me tell you why. Some people are like, man, that's mind-blowing. I thought the world was going to hell in a handbasket. Young people hate God. Nobody can reach the next generation. Spiritual families can. Spiritual families don't just have a hired-hand youth group. They have sons and daughters. So we've just been inviting them to our table. And boy, they walk in and go, I feel family. I feel accepted. I feel loved. And they're giving their lives to Christ in droves right now. 
out of the brokenness in their natural family, they're finding the experience in spiritual family, then they're bringing their natural family to church. Let me say, parents, your kids are praying for you. They're praying for you. They're praying for you. So God wants sons and daughters. In Psalm 68, six, which I love in our Discovery 101, you should go to it. I love reading this verse. It says that God actually sets the lonely in families. That's what he does. He takes lonely people. Did you know there's a word in our culture that did not exist 30, 40, 50 years ago called crowded loneliness? We have digital friends. We have more neighbors than we ever thought. By the way, we have more affluence than we ever thought. Most people I preach to this weekend, you have more things than you ever thought you would ever have. And we have a mobile society and we used to live on the family farm and there was uncles and aunts and grandparents and we went to our church and there was the church and there was the steeple and opened the doors and there's the people and we voted and we went there for school and we all had our lives around and now we've been scattered to a globalized world that's mobile, that's transitional. So we've transitioned and primarily, I'm not telling you God never moves you, but I am trying to influence a biblical perspective that if you only make your decisions in life based on your upward mobility financially, you may actually get to the top and realize you're all by yourself. It's not wrong to steward your gift. It's not wrong to do well. But what I will say is there's an ethos of relationships that most people today are saying, I'm more affluent, I'm around more people, but I don't have one person I think that would be by my side if I walk through a challenge in my life. But God says, I take those crowded, lonely people and I set them in my family. I I, I wanna tell you, it's all the way through the Bible. The last verse of the Old Testament is the last verse of the Old Testament is God will turn the hearts of the children toward their parents. And then God went silent. That's amazing to me. Before God went silent, before Jesus, he said, I'm gonna turn the hearts of the children toward their parents. Let's go back to that Ruth story. I love it. Let me tell you why I love the Ruth story because it goes all the way through the thread to Jesus. It starts with there are these women and their husbands and they're in Bethlehem and Bethlehem in Hebrew means the house of bread, but in Israel there was a famine. And we don't know much about a famine with food in our culture today. All of us, we could just DoorDash us something. Talk about personalization. Laney Kate got me on DoorDash. That's the finest thing I've ever seen. I just order what I want, and then they go, do you want us to get you some trash bags? I'm like, I'll take that. I'll take this. We'll stop by and drop your bills off. I mean, it's just, you just, I'll take it all. We don't know. We just, we'll just click on a computer and get some food. But in this time, in Ruth's life, food was a big deal. So the Bible says they leave the house of bread that had no bread, they go to Moab. So the Bible actually says they're sojourners. They're searchers. They're searching for something. You know what I see in the faces of people today after pastoring now almost over 25, 27 years? I see a generation of people who are searching for something, kind of like when you stand at the refrigerator and you don't know what you want. There's all kinds of food there. We're not searching for food. We're searching for the significance that's found in vital, life-giving, God-ordained covenantal relationships. 
So now we just download our Christianity the same way we download our food. And we wonder why we're empty. They were searching. Did you know it ended up not being a food search, but ended up being a relational thing that happened because the men die leaving widows and the widows now have to make a decision about what to do. And Naomi, who was preferring her daughter-in-law, tries to get her to make a decision to not go with her, but actually Ruth had revelation that she's supposed to be with her mother-in-law who wasn't really doing that great at that time. But she had revelation relationally. Do you have relational revelation? Where God's placed you, where God's moving, where God's working. It's not about your preference. It's about God's placement. So look at this. We, we talk about this in weddings, but it says, Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I'll die, and there I'll be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Wow, that's heavy revelation, man. It's like, I'm supposed to be with you. I'm supposed to walk with you. I'm supposed to be in relationship with you, man. That's like covenantal, like, like beyond us. Like That's so strong in the American culture that primarily makes its decisions based on its own well-being, its own desires, our own net worth, our own location, our own pleasures. No, 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 no. I'm making a relational decision. Did you know this impoverished widow in the middle of nowhere, that decision leads to the genealogy of Jesus? It's mind-blowing. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse and the father of King David, that then through that lineage would come the son of David, the son of God, Jesus Christ. And let me just finish. This is a powerful story, but it doesn't stop there in the Bible. Jesus lived relationally. Jesus had disciples. I'm so glad Jesus had friends when Jesus would be traveling, he went to Martha and Mary and they had food and Lazarus and I'm so glad that Jesus cried. Jesus cried when he showed up at Lazarus's death. And the reason he cried wasn't because, he knew he was gonna raise him from the dead but he felt the pain of his friends and the grief that was in the room and the early church followed that pattern. It says they were eating together, they were sharing in the word of God, they were walking out their faith together, they weren't Zooming their Christianity. They were walking together in relationship, rubbing off on one another, taking care of one another's needs. And the Bible says he was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. I guess so. If God loves people, why would he not put, him, put people in an atmosphere that's a family? Because when they get born again, they got to have a family to help raise them. So we need the family of God coming together in those relationships like that early church did. And all the way through the New Testament, you have Paul using familial language with his spiritual son, Timothy. He called him his son. And he walked, they walked out their faith. Can I, can I say today, it's very difficult and I would say practically impossible to read the New Testament and live it if you have an isolated individual version of Christianity. All the New Testament is letters 
to people in relationships called spiritual family, called churches, and most of the instruction is how to get along, how to love, how to prefer. You know what I've learned about living in natural family? My wife and I have been married a while now. It was a lot easier when I was single in some ways in terms of all those things that you see surface and then you get a few kids and how many of you know you can think you're humble? Anybody been in family more than two weeks? Holidays are coming, so don't look so spiritual. Your crazy uncle's coming to Thanksgiving. And you're like, oh man, I got a big mirror in my room. I stand in front of it before I come to church and I preach at it. Praise God, glory. You are a mighty man of God. Then my wife will come by and say, hey, you left your underwear on the floor in the bathroom. I'll be like, the man of God does not deal with such lowly things. You think you're mature, but you don't know if you're mature if you're not living in spiritual family. You just have a bunch of head knowledge that the Bible actually warns against. Head knowledge with no relationship can lead to pride. It can lead to pride. You don't know if you can live your Bible unless you're living it through relationships. But I know it's hard. You're like, Jeff, what, what, what are some of the barriers? Well, I, I get it. it. It can be hard in this whole thing called spiritual family through his church. One, it, it can be awkward. My kids call it awk. Dad, that's awk. I don't really have a high awkward meter. I think it's my job to create awkward situations. Any dads out there? Our job is to embarrass our kids. That's what we do for a living. They'll be like, that's awk, that's awkward. Let me, let me help you with something. It is a little awkward. And we live in a digital world today, so we text one another and we do all our social stuff and everything, and we're actually losing interpersonal skills at some level. The ability to put yourself out there. I have a young guy that I'm trying to lead to the Lord, and he's got all kinds of girls and he has no game. I'm like, you, don't even, you're, you got the EQ of a rock. You don't have to have game. You know why? You just text a girl, what's up? Get on a dating app. Hey, boom, man, you look good on that, but we had never talked to you. It can be awkward, but you got to press back past the awkwardness. We're individualistic and we're isolated. You know, used to, you would drive down the road on vacation with your dad, my dad. We had a station wagon. You know what I'm saying? Big old station wagon. There was an AM radio with the eight tracks in it. And if he brought three eight tracks or my mom put them in her purse, then we might know what song we're going to listen to. But we, we didn't really know what we would get. It's like, you, you, by the way, it didn't even have FM. It had AM. So we're hoping he doesn't put it on talk radio and maybe we can get a song. But you were totally submitted to him. It's like the TV. I was the remote. You know what I'm saying? But you're riding down the road on vacation hoping you get your song. You pass a Suburban today, it looks like a movie theater in there, man. Everybody's got an individual screen, a big screen, a satellite dish on top. Everyone's got their own AirPods. Everybody gets to do it their own way. Individualistic. We have pain and trauma. We do. We have challenges in family. So for a lot of times, it's hard. When I start talking about spiritual family, you're like, I tried that. It didn't work. I've had hurt. Had a lady at our Hazlitt campus and... I, I, I was doing a vision night and she actually, I passed the microphone out and she actually said, Pastor Jeff, when I came to Milestone, I would get upset at you for talking about this because you talk about it like it's so available and you got to quit telling people that. You got to quit saying that. Like there's family, there's relationships. It'll be the richest thing in your life. 
You gotta press past the awkward. You gotta go through the growth track. And you go, well, I went through the growth track and I didn't find those relationships. Go again. Go again. I went to a small group, didn't work out. Go again. It may not be the problem with them. It may be the things God's trying to work out in you. She said, you gotta quit talking about it. But then she had a problem. And she said, the people in this room, and she started crying, and she said, they came to my door, and they helped me, and they helped me. The final thing is, we think transactional and not relational. We mostly think about, what do you have to offer me, instead of, God wants to do something in me, in my relationships, by being a part of his family. It's like, how do I get it? It's kind of like, that's why I like going to Costco. See, a lot of people think you join a church. I love Costco because... Man, I'll go there because you can join Costco and then every time my wife takes me there, I leave full. <laughs> it's like, well, we'll take some more Costco. You just walk around, I'll have this, I'll have that. Then you put on a mask, come back, hey, hey come on, go. You, you just kind of keep making the lap. A lot of people think about church as Costco. I'm gonna join the church, Brother Jeff. You don't join the family of God, you're placed in it. You're placed by God in the relationships he's called you to walk out. And I'm always amazed still to this day of how God brings people, how he orchestrates this web. When God wants to do something in your life, most of the time he brings a person. When he's wanting to get you to a new place, he brings you a person. When he's trying to change something in your life, it's that person that he works in, that clay that he works through. And if you avoid the relationships and stay isolated, you just you void yourself of the distribution mechanism that he brings into the earth. But we're transactional so many times. I'll take that. I'll take the YouTube video. I'll do it yourself, Christianity. Christianity is not a do it yourself. It's an apprenticeship. It's a relationship. It's awkward. You got to get past it. They're different than you. And God does that on purpose so that you can become who you're called to be. I wanna show you a story of how God weaves relationships together and then we'll finish up by looking at some practicals. Watch this. Emma and I never would have imagined we'd be sitting here <laughs> 15 years later, like doing life together. And over time, it's been incredible to see when you look back, you can see the Lord's hand on it and his faithfulness and how he used someone like Emma um, to, um, to help bring me home. So my family went through a really tough season while I was in high school um, because my mom was diagnosed first with cancer. Senior year of high school, my brother out of nowhere collapses on the stairs of his apartment. We find out he is diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer. We're not sure if he's gonna make it past the week. Hers is chronic, hers is in her bones. You know, and my dad and I instantly became nurses overnight. And I remember feeling anxious in the mornings, like, okay, like, what am I walking into today? Yeah, church was my safe place during that time. I was so thankful to have that support system and just the opportunity to be loved on in such a special way. And then I would go to school and I had this teacher who was walking through actually 
a similar situation. She had a parent and a sibling who had cancer, but I just got a burden for her because I don't know where I'd be without spiritual family. And I wanted her to have that too, but it's that unique, how do I invite my teacher to church? And so just one day I made the ask. It was actually my first year teaching. During the spring of that year, my dad, he got diagnosed with a very aggressive form of brain cancer. Um, and that just literally rocked our family. It was a hard, challenging time of us having to watch him kind of, you know, his, his health go downhill. He passed um, that next April. And, you know, our family just was trying to pick up the pieces, put them back together. Two years after my dad passed away, um, my younger brother, who at the time was 17, actually was diagnosed with um, leukemia. Um, and so in October of 2009, um, he actually passed away. And, um, you know, it was just one of those moments where it was like, Lord, do you see me? Like, I was confused and I was um, hurt and, um, and, you know, at times angry. You know, you, you have to grieve those expectations you had for, you know, what, what you thought your family would look like. And so, um, yeah, so it, it, it was hard. I would go to school and, you know, put on a brave face and, and try to teach my students. Emma was, was in my class. And so, um, you know, after kind of watching me um, struggle, hey, we're having this service um, one, one weekend and, um, and, you know, just invited me to come. At, at the time, I, I, I just was looking for anything that would pull me out of where I was. I went, I felt something there um, that I, I, I couldn't put my finger on. Um, it felt different, it felt warm, it felt, it felt like home, and I felt different there. And um, the rest was history. Like I, I like the Lord rocked me um, and brought me into this family, and that's what I realized I was feeling as I walked in those doors. You know, like it was family. Spiritual family. It's so much more than you could ever imagine. When Emma invited me to come to church, I had no idea what was on the other side of saying yes to that. Getting to see Emma, you know, meet her husband and get married and, and have kids. And we had this, you know, student teacher relationship, but now we're actually really great friends and we do a lot of life together. And we've gotten to come alongside um, other young women who are coming up behind us and, and, and just show them the same love that both of us have gotten to experience with Emma and I. Our lives didn't just intersect, but it's like the Lord weaved our stories together. Um, 15 years later, we're still walking together um, and we're family. What a great story that God knows our needs. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but if you're struggling in your family, maybe God puts you in spiritual family to close the gaps. 
Maybe if you're struggling in your marriage, God wants to put you in an atmosphere where there's relationships that can help you in that. Maybe if you have a kid that's away from God, God wants to surround you with some people who want to help you pray and walk through that. And maybe you have just a multitude of things going on and God closes the gaps by bringing us into the relationships and spiritual family. I would not be the person I am today without the relationships in my life. I wanna live this way for the rest of my life and really my passion as I go into this weekend is if I'm really being transparent with you, it's so rich, it's so powerful, yet so countercultural. I've prayed all week, Lord, just, just help one person maybe really grab it and move forward in it. You say, why does it really matter wherever you're at, Hazlitt or McKinney? First of all, we're hardwired for it. Remember, that's how we were created in the image of Almighty God. We all want, there's no one listening to me, no matter how tough your exterior is, no matter how much you've put up a wall, everyone wants these words included, loved, known, seen, belong, valued. The problem is we're consistently fed a message that says organizational, institutional, customized, personalized. See, the real challenge with spiritual family is when you're gonna walk out relationships, you at some level have to leave behind your primary identification being I am this, business person, single, widowed, this, that, whatever your style or flavor. You have to at some level say, I'm not primarily identifying that way, I'm identifying as a child of God who's part of his family. So it becomes challenging for us. I even say this, I appreciate the word community. Even church people say, we need community. Well, you can have community in a lot of places. Community can just be organizing around a set of relationships, but the word spiritual family is an exclusive word to the kingdom of God. And I will say, you may be involved, and I think you should, and we should be salt and light, but most of the organizational and community-driven things will pass away. But Jesus' church has been here since he died, and it'll be here until he returns. It'll be here until he returns. And so we value these things and want these things, but our thought process, here's what God says. He uses words like places, sets. He uses the word born into, born again. You don't sign up for a religion. You don't join an institution. Jesus tells us in the famous section of John 3 with a man named Nicodemus, you're born into this family. You're born of the spirit into this family. And so Jesus said it's through his church that he fills all in all in the book of Ephesians. Second of all, it's how God grows us and gets us to where he's called us to go. It's how he grows us, it's how he gets us. I use these phrases, your destiny is tied to your relationships. When you find your people that God's called you to walk with, you'll find your purpose. I find a lot of people don't know their gifts because your gifts cannot be developed in a vacuum. They're not developed in a vacuum. They're identified in his body. And as you walk in relationships, what happens is you start going, hey, I kind of have a knack for that. And someone goes, hey, man, you're good at that. You light up when you do that. So God uses his family and his body to actually get you and grow you. If you're in a vacuum just looking at material, you wonder why you're not growing. It's because that's not how he does it. That's not how he does it. That's what the New Testament shows us that your gifts are identified and honed 
through his family. Here's the final thing I would say why this is so important. You're building your relationships today. You're walking in those today and it's preparing you for tomorrow's crisis. We saw this the last few years. I, by the way, I was passionate about this topic 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm just passionate about it. And I'm just passionate about it. But man, I'll tell you this, after walking through the last few years and watching you, seeing you, seeing our church come together in a crisis, you know, we're having a few pastors here in a few days here on the 18th. I've gone into overdrive to encourage pastors around our country. 30% of them that they say many will quit. Most churches, 60% of pre-COVID attendance. And we're gonna have a whole nother group of them in January because I believe in Jesus's church. By the way, Milestone doesn't have the exclusive right to this concept. It's for the kingdom of God. And I, if, you, if you're in a different church or you're a guest of one of these families today, I hope you find that place that you walk this out wherever it is. But I'm gonna tell you, I'm proud of you because I'm gonna tell you, when you go through crisis, it tests the fabric of what you've built on. And when we walked through this crisis, you came together, you fed the community, you provided water when we had Ice Mageddon, you love one another. And I wanna tell you how proud I am of you as a church. Every time I get around a situation, a small group or meet people in our church, I'm so proud of you, the way you take care of people the way you love each other. It's important. We don't wanna lose that. We don't wanna, as we grow, some people say, well, we just keep growing, it, it can be lost. It doesn't have to. Some people say, well, it's a big church, it's impersonal. Big doesn't make it impersonal. I can take you to a church of 200 that feels like a funeral. It's a culture. It's an atmosphere. It's a heart that we all wanna, at this 20 years, let it go deep in our hearts. Because let me tell you, People don't care what you know until they know how much you care. The love of God, the goodness of God leads people to repentance. And I'm always, I went to a 50th anniversary wedding thing here a few weeks ago and I was meeting people in there and it was like, this guy got sick and they took care of him. And there's a group of guys that are one of the oldest guys in our church and another guy who's only five years younger than him. He goes and drives him around and takes care of him. I don't know if that's safe if an 85 year old's driving a 92 year old around. But Fred takes care of Norm. And he said, I went and checked on Norm. He's Norm's pastor, he's gonna take care of him. You know what, that's what the church is all about. Thank you for the way you love one another and take care of one another. I don't have to pull stories from 20 years, I could. I live this way. I'll tell you about this week. I met a man who's new in our church. He said, my, I've connected in church, I've done things, but my wife's never connected. And, he said, man, what I love about here is my wife at 101 met a group of people and she's got friends and she's connecting. And I was like, man, that's it. That's amazing. I, 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 this week, seeing story after story of people that I've connected with, as I said, I went out to Hazlitt. I, I saw a, a story as well that I think was so powerful of at a wedding that we had this week. We had a staff wedding. And uh, it's, it's one, of, one of our pastor's sons got married. I've watched him grow up. My son was in the wedding. I was sitting there just, just looking at this. It was, like, it was just like the family came together, you know? Just because some of y'all think, well, it's the staff, y'all are family. It's not always that way. It wasn't just staff. It, I, I would talk to Cassandra, who was here originally. She came here, moved here. I remember the day she came, Cassandra Lopez. I remember Marcus, when I tell the story of when the media day, when I almost quit the ministry, when we were showing the passion of the Christ and Marcus's Hispanic family came up on and a dog ran in. Marcus was the one running it. 
And Cassandra said, Pastor, I'm so excited. I've got about 13, 14 ladies in mine. It's worth it, 2.0 group. And we're studying this vision and I'm still passionate about it. Man, there was all these people there and we were just celebrating and watching. And the, the, the wife of this young man now, she said six years ago, she read a letter to her dad. Six years ago, she was telling her dad, thank you for bringing us to church and getting us connected and the sacrifices. And, and now we have spiritual family. And I now found my husband. I'm in Milestone College. She's studying for ministry. She's going to be a worship leader. I was like, man, this is like a family. It's like the church is here. The church is together. And we're celebrating milestone moments. That's what I always dreamed of. I almost passed the bucket to give an offering. It's like, man, we might as well not lose a moment to pass the bucket here. We've got the church together. I drove away. I told my wife, I said, that's so rich. That's so powerful. You're like, Pastor, I'm glad you're excited about it. It's for you. It's for you. If you value what the Bible says, you overcome the challenges, the activities, the busyness, the things you can do. You overcome those things for the treasure. You cash it in to buy the whole field to get the treasure because it's worth it. It's worth every penny of it. Let's bow our heads together. You say, Pastor, I don't know that I feel a part of the family of God. I don't know Jesus. If I stood before him today, I don't know if I'm right with him. Well, right where you are, you can just simply say, Jesus, come into my life. I surrender my life to you. I accept you today as my personal Lord and Savior. Become my Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to let us know to come forward at the end of the service, fill out a card, come to Discovery 101. We want to help you in your relationship with Jesus. But Lord, I ask you right now, second of all, no matter where someone's listening from, wherever they're at, Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that, Lord, we'd get a revelation that in our busy, isolated, distant, disconnected, knowledge-based culture, just transferring information back and forth and here and there, we would live according to the pattern that you laid out, Jesus that we would invest our lives, that we would overcome the awkwardness, the challenge, the, the things, Lord, to pour our lives into this powerful, powerful thing called spiritual family, Lord. And it's a hard blessing to receive, it is. But Lord, we thank you that you placed us in it. Help us walk in it. Lord, I pray that you go beyond my words. Let it be revelation in Jesus' name.